So, on this episode of the Money Talks podcast, it'll be myself, Matt the Money Cage, sitting with my good friend, John Machete. That name might not sound familiar to you, but you probably think that it sounds really cool. Uh, John Machete, more known to wrestling fans who might be listening to this as former IWA Mid-South World Heavyweight Champion, Dingo. Um, He was the... What at the time longest longest reigning yeah. longest reigning IWA world champion um, carrying the company at a time when uh, I consider it a transitional period. Yeah, definitely a transitional period. And um, you were at the top of your game. You were at the top of the company. You were creating a lot of buzz. Uh, a lot of people, myself included, looked up to you, and then. Almost as quickly as you burst onto the scene in the, uh, in the, I don't want to say it, in the spotlight, but almost as quickly as you became very popular at a time period where IWA was very popular, you disappeared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you disappeared, and that would have been somewhere in 2009, and here we are, uh, Crazy to think, almost ten years later, right? And to my knowledge, like the first podcast that you've ever done. Yeah, this is absolutely the first podcast. Thank you for letting me do this for the first time. I appreciate it. Thank absolutely. You yeah, Thank you for being it. here. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to discuss with you a lot, man. Like we've known each other since two thousand eight. Yeah, quite some time. And uh, like today, I'd say uh, under the circumstances, like the first time that we've hung out and like. It wasn't a depressing hangout and yeah, not yeah. a wrestling hangout. Right, exactly. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, like the uh, first things first, like uh, for those who might be unfamiliar with you, like tell the listeners who you are. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm just, just circling back to what uh, the money said. Uh, you know, it, my name's John Machete. Uh, I wrestled as the Dingo for about 10 years. Uh, I, I went out on top, so to speak. And that, you know, we'll get to that, too. That's kind of funny. But, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time uh, in wrestling in the St. Louis area, the Midwest, uh, East Coast, all that kind of thing. And then somewhere around, you know, just like like you said, somewhere around 2009, I just kind of hung it up. You know, there was uh, more important things in my life. And uh, that coupled with an injury. So I kind of just took that moment and put my boots down and, explored other venues as it were absolutely um i remember in 2009 when uh when the injury happened um i actually remember exactly where i was uh when i heard about it because there were multiple people talking about the injury at the show that i was wrestling at uh she's like like fucking kennedy getting shot it really was (laughs) it, it really was like because one person was like did you hear about dingo and you know everyone's like no we didn't like oh he's paralyzed jesus all right then someone else like well no he's not paralyzed but his neck is broken yeah and long story short uh we we just didn't know what happened but we knew that it was something serious and um i remember being at the iwa show where you uh vacated the title yep um this is actually here in chicago yeah um and uh so exactly 
what happened on those those final uh, that final match? Actually, I guess you say I know you wound up wrestling again afterwards, but right. the uh, the match that you suffered the injury. Okay, so just yeah, I'll try to make it as short and sweet as possible. I was working with a student of mine, Davey Vega, real good guy. wasn't his fault. Completely one hundred percent my fault. Uh, you know, we'll just straight shoot from the hip. Um, he went for a fire thunder. Fire Thunder Driver, so if anybody's familiar, they know exactly what the fuck we're talking about. Uh, on the cell, when I was in the air, I like to show my face so the crowd can see the reaction and see the emotion on my face. Uh, he went to you know to bump me, and I didn't tuck my chin in time. I fucking had my, my face completely exposed the whole way through, and I went head first into the mat and, and like just uh, kind of like scorpioned it, basically. And couple loud pops later there was no movement i was in the ring and that was it it was done and i was like couldn't i couldn't move uh they rushed me to anderson hospital uh and they're like yeah hey you have a minute fracture in year three and four and you have a herniated disc so luckily there was no need for surgery but wear a brace forever and then you know at that time there's a lot of other shit that was going on in my life so i decided Maybe I should step back from this and you know do something else. Yeah, I uh, I remember seeing you at that show where you vacated the uh, IWA title. You still had the neck brace on at the time. Yeah, it hadn't been that long since I had last seen you, but I knew some of the things that were happening in between that time period. Yeah, uh, and you looked completely different. Like I don't know if you recall <laughs> this, but I remember like yeah. uh, you totally came in like, and you were like. You had like dark hair, yeah, yeah, and yeah. you were very pale, and right. you looked like you did not enjoy what yeah. was going on in your life right. at that exact yeah. moment. No, like I, I, yeah, I remember. I was like, I used to be fucking Hulk Hogan, orange and tan, you were very tan, and, and uh, blonde hair. Just I looked, I looked like fucking Sting, you know, to some extent or another. And uh, yeah, I remember. I remember it very vividly. I remember exactly what I was wearing. I was wearing some a stupid fucking like emo. Like blue skull, like jacket yep. gimmick, and I had fucking uh, dyed black hair. I don't know. I was going through some sort of, uh, I don't know, some sort of fucking like emotional awakening or some bullshit. And like I said, that in compound with the fucking injury, I, I pretty much just kind of like washed my hands of wrestling for the moment. I didn't want to do that. I really, really didn't. But I, there were some very, very big awakenings at that point in my life. Like I said, that with the injury, it, it, it allowed me the ability to take a step back from wrestling. So, absolutely. Um, so, the big thing, the big event that was happening at that time period, is something that I obviously uh, can empathize with and understand to a very large degree. Um, you came out of the closet. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you used that as a or maybe not use that but i viewed it as a uh a stepping back from your professional life to focus more on your personal life yep um so but things are different in 2017 than they were in 2009 yeah and uh you know for those listening uh the professional wrestling business can be very very uh, cruel it's very very mean. It's very much like a high school locker room yep. um, or a college locker room, what have you. Uh, the guys, they don't necessarily mean to be offensive, but right. sometimes offensive things can be said. Right. Um, and for me, uh, 
growing up in my, you know, early adult years and even till now, because it's the only thing I've done in my adult life, being involved in pro wrestling. Yeah. Uh, personally, for many years when I was still in the closet, um, it was very difficult because I didn't want to ever offend anyone. Yeah. I didn't want to like catch myself staring at anyone. Oh, yeah, or, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. make anyone think, you know, if anyone knew, I'd, oh, you're going to pick me up and you're going to like grope me yeah. or, yeah. you know, things like yeah, that. Hurricane Rana. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll give you a power bomb. Oh, yeah. cool. Your crotch is in my yeah, face. Yeah, um, exactly. So like, I know that at that time, I was definitely frightened to even contemplate the idea of coming out of the closet um, and still remain in pro wrestling. So right. I kept myself behind all of my clothes, all of my shoes, all of my boxes, and every single thing that I owned that was stored in my closet. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. for you, uh, you, for me, were the first person that I knew personally that had come out in pro wrestling Rather than, you know, like just, you know, Chris Canyon that came out. Yeah. Like he yeah, was yeah. already out of wrestling. Yeah. Or some of the guys that I knew in the Georgia Indies when I first started, like uh, there was a guy named Simon Sermon who was very out um, and very flamboyant, but didn't allow his personal life to affect his wrestling. Right, so right. for you, uh, I would like to know, because I've never asked you, um, even all these years later, how was that and what kind of built up to the decision for you to come out? Yeah, man. Um, like I said, I'll be completely 100% honest. Um, the, the the net break was, it, that was legitimate, like I, I constantly get, to, well, constantly, but for a long time after, I would get phone calls from uh, Sal Tomaselli. And he would be like, is it a work, dude? Is it a work? Is it a work? Because if it is, it's the fucking greatest work ever. And I'm like, nah, man, it's not a work. It's legit. A lot of us did question that. Yeah, wondered. yeah. It's it like, I'm sure Ian questioned it. I'm sure a lot of people were like, what did that motherfucker's fucking me over or whatever? No, it was legit. I got x-rays to prove it. I got fucking, you guys want to see my doctors? No, yeah. Uh, coming out, uh, the, the decision to come out of the closet was, uh, if we can be real candid here, it came uh, pretty much based out of a nervous breakdown. So um, I was, believe it or not, I was seeing a girl and I had some... Was it the girl that you would come to the shows with all the time with like the red hair? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, was okay. one, yeah, yeah. I always wondered yeah. because we'd see you with her yeah. and... Like, she was a very attractive... Yeah, I know, right? Was it Rachel? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> she was very attractive, and that was actually when I learned the term uh, beard. Oh, yeah, okay. What a beard yeah, is, yeah, for yeah. those who don't know, a beard is if a gay man is uh, showing himself to the public eye as a straight man. Right. So they're using the woman as the beard. <laughs> to hide. Yeah, I, I was, you know, I was with her, like, uh, you know, physically, you know, I, 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 like, I'm not a platinum gay by any fucking extent <laughs> of the, the rule, you know. Um, yeah, I, so I think struggling with the idea of who I was led to my nervous breakdown. And so it got really bad it got very very bad so bad that i had put myself into um a, a facility uh, like a well fuck it yeah just, we'll just say it like i put myself into a an institution for a week and i had a breakdown and then once i got into a situation where i could speak with different people and express what was going on in my life and what was going on in my head uh then i finally realized that this is the type of individual that i was this is what i was what was going on with me and then obviously you take that first step which is admitting to yourself and okay yeah that's the way it is I understand that 
uh, and now I gotta go. Now I gotta. I have to start branching out, so to speak. You have to branch out to who you're gonna tell first, and and so it was like, man, I, I don't know if I can take on doing the wrestling thing and uh, doing doing the. Uh, you know, just being me, this is going to be a hard road to hoe. So I, I tried it, I, you know, baby stepping it. And I remember it was, yeah, I had come out right before the, before the injury. And I don't know, when, when, when the injury happened, I was just like, you know what, this is definitely, this is definitely time to take a step back. But um, yeah, it's that, that's basically what had happened. I, I had a nervous breakdown and I was like, this is why there's just so much shit bottled up inside. There's so much just garbage. I need to get it all out. And I felt it, it, a lot of people say that. They always say that like, you feel like the world's lifted off your chest. And it's absolutely true. And that's exactly what happened. I felt like the world was lifted off my chest. But on the flip side, it's kind of I kind of felt like very Samson and Delilah. Like I felt like that that being bound up and constricted gave me aggression it gave me fight and it gave me drive and then once that weight was off i felt like my locks were cut <laughs> and i was like oh man shit what am I? i'm just happy now and i'm just like happy to pick and shit and like i don't know what the fuck i'm gonna do with this now you know like I, I, I have no way to be aggressive now it's all off my chest so it's not a big deal i definitely uh at least on my in my own way can agree with that because uh when i came out in 2015 um, I, I was still wrestling. I didn't quit. And I remember someone probably a couple of months later, it's like two months later saying like, you have like a new found fire in your movement. Yeah. Right. It's like, uh, it was actually a guy, uh, Vic Capri, um, was telling me, uh, you know, you just look like you're motivated again. Yeah. And I was like, I wasn't necessarily unmotivated to begin with, but I, you know, I, I guess I didn't realize it, you know, and when you have that personal stress relieved, you know, it's going to allow whatever else that you're uh, putting your heart into to shine as well. Yeah. So yeah. Um, that being said, I'm sure it probably sucked to not have that outlet. Right. Um, so when was it? Do you remember exactly when it was that you came out officially? Because um, we we were still on shows together. And you and I, yeah. and uh, you and I wrestled each other uh-huh. in August and September-ish of 09. Were you out at that point oh, yet? Man. Uh, I don't know that I was out to, uh, I don't know that I was out publicly. I, I don't, I'm trying to remember this specifically, like what date it was or what, what you know, time of the year it was. I can't really remember that. Um Officially, like in my own eyes, officially I came out to one when I came out to myself, and then obviously two when I came out to my mother. That was the big stepping stone. That's the big hump. That's the the, the first big one, you know. Because if your family doesn't accept you, then you got a fucking issue. Yeah. So <clears throat> uh, that that was cool. Then when that happened, then I felt comfortable. Uh, I felt comfortable with myself. Obviously, then you have to start playing the field, so to speak, to who you're going to tell next. And obviously, you're going to go with your trusted friends. And uh, I think some of the first people I told was, like, um, uh, a lot of the guys that used to run the, um, the St. Louis Anarchy locker room. Good friends, like, that I've known for years. And it was just, it was, uh, it was, it was a gradual process. And obviously, 
I kind of I kind of did it in a smart way too. I think where I would tell individuals that I know would like lose limps, sink ships, kind of thing. They would just fucking blab. So I was like, all right, it'd be easier for them yeah. to say that shit than would me for me to like individually go around like, hey, I'm Dingo, nice to meet you. Are we gonna do this tonight? Oh yeah, by the way, I'm gay. You know, like that doesn't. I, it's no. I just would rather it fucking spread. And if they fucking come talk to me, that's fine. That's it's cool. I don't have a problem with that. But, like, no, I started off real slow. Uh, guys that I knew, girls that I knew, and then uh, it just went from there. And, uh, like, I, I know everyone has different stories and different uh, reactions. Did you encounter any negative? No, man. I was very blessed. I was extremely blessed. Um, I, like, the whole, everybody's got the story about how they're going to come out and they're fucking nervous as shit and their heart's racing and they're fucking sweating and all that shit. And yeah, that's absolutely 100% true. Um, yeah, it, it would be abnormal if you're just like, yeah, whatever, it's cool. Uh, like, that was a shit thing for me to say. But, uh, <laughs> like, no, I was absolutely nervous when I told my mom and she was just like, yeah, it's cool, whatever. My mom's a staunch Southern Baptist woman and her viewpoint changed instantly. My father, same way. My father went from fucking Republican to Democrat overnight. Like, he went from right to left wing instantaneously and he's like, I'm all about it. It's cool. You're my son. And I did not have, I had no negative anything. I, I think I built up uh, an air of respect about me over the years where I treated people with respect and I didn't fuck them over and uh, I think that even if if that's all they could pay back was just that one iota of respect and helping me through a very troubling and difficult time if it was just that small the, the little bit that they could pay back I'm, I'm very happy with that I and mean, that meant the world to me so I, yeah to answer your question I had no fucking negative no, no negative things at all. Which is always good to hear. Yes, yeah. I personally also did not experience any negative. Yeah. Um, and was petrified at the idea of experiencing. Oh, I know. Like, I, I remember having the conversations. It's with awful. People. Yeah. Um, and uh, the difference uh, again is being, you know, you had a lot of it. You know, that was just in your personal life mm -hmm. as you were in the process of removing yourself from your professional life. Yeah. And. Um, I know from talking to you, but I don't know exactly when, so I want to ask. Okay. Um, shortly after coming out, you met the gentleman that you're still with. Yeah. Uh, at this time. Yeah. Uh, almost ten years now. Yeah. Um, it'll be eight years in uh, August. We, we uh, we've been together since August twentieth uh, of two thousand nine. That's a that's a jaunt and a half. Yeah, it's 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 pretty pretty long time in in in. Gay years. gay years. I'm fucking. I'm air quoting it here. It's yeah, definitely yeah. gay years is definitely a thing yeah. because yeah. like you see relationships now and it's like oh man you've been together for a year that's like an eternity right yeah um but uh I can speak uh, at least on my end um dating not even so much just in the gay world yeah in the gay community as it's known yeah uh, just dating in general kind of sucks and. When I came out of the closet, mm -hmm. and it was at a time where I was very lonely, um, which hasn't really necessarily changed, but <laughs> came, it came at a time where I was very lonely, and I was seeking that companionship, you know, that I that I craved. Yeah. Um, 
you're lucky you're enough. You're so fucking formal. I swear. I love the way <laughs> <laughs> we, all, we all know what this means. We all, well, no, uh, not you know. I don't mean just in a sexual way. I, I know. Uh, anyone can hook up, but you came out of the closet, right? Yeah, and entered a relationship. Yep. How did that happen? You hold on. You got out of a heterosexual relationship. Yeah, yeah. Came out of the closet as a homosexual. Yeah. Entered a homosexual relationship that you are still in. You're like a magician. Yeah, man. Because that's you miracle something. Yeah. So how did that happen? Yeah. So uh, for the longest time, I, I thought I was, you know, way into into. Uh, Women <laughs> into women. Pussy is what you're yes, looking yes. for. Yes, yes. Once again, I, I, now I'm trying to be polite. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, I thought that's what I was. And, you know, it's social constructs. You're a man. You have to. You know, you have to be with a woman. You have to provide this, that, and the other. And I was like, no, I don't like that. I like, I like, uh, like dick. It's that's just that's who I was. And but I was just keeping it bottled up. And so the fucking mental breakdown happens. The physical breakdown happens. Quick question for you yeah. before we go back. To yeah. That. Yeah. Have you been? With a man before this. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Because I mean, there's one thing to to say this is what I like, but it's another thing because I'm like some of my friends and like I didn't know right. I had never even been with a guy before until after I came right. out. You know, so I guess I never I never asked that. Before. Yeah, it's the whole like, how do you know you were gay? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's yeah, yeah, I had been. Yeah, it's and it was always it was always like a very like summer campy type situation. Like you're fooling around after fucking drinking and shit like that. You're like, oh no, you're not really gay. You're just drunk. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm pretty sure I'm gay. I'm, you know, like, I, I'm the one <laughs> dick in my mouth. I'm, I'm pretty fucking. Sure. <laughs> so no, I um, I uh, got out of the relationship. Like I said, I had a little mental issue. I had the physical breakdown, and then I um. I had come out to one of my well, my current roommate at the time, and she worked with a gentleman uh, who was also uh, gay, and uh, he had come over to the house a couple times, and we were kind of flirting and hitting it off. And she, he had, he was like, absolutely not, he's not gay to me because I'm very. Um, I'm very straight acting. That's kind of that's terminology in the gay community too. Your mask. Yeah, a mask. Yeah, mask from mask. <laughs> and uh, so he had no idea. He didn't believe it. She was like, "Yeah, yeah, he's you know totally, totally gay." And so he wouldn't believe it. This that, and the other. And uh, eventually, he had moved up to Chicago. Um, I was I was looking for a hookup. Just to be completely honest, I was looking for a hookup. I was looking to fool around, and he had come down on a train from Chicago and uh, we got together that night and yeah we hooked up and it was a good time and then it just didn't stop like he didn't go back to Chicago and so he moved in with me immediately I mean he went back to get his shit you know get his clothes and whatnot but um, nah, he moved in with me and then it's it's been that way ever since and that's the guy that you were just talking about I mean we got together on August twentieth, nineteenth, twentieth, two thousand nine, and we've been together ever since. Rough road here and there, but yeah, you know, it's a good, it's a good guy. I mean, you got to work on things, make it good. Absolutely. That's uh, I feel like in many people's eyes, it's probably what they they want to happen for them. Like I know you and I have had discussions outside of the podcast here, but like you didn't have. Uh, as referred to as the whore phase, no, phase, no. excuse me. Yeah. Um, so you didn't have to deal with all of the. You might have done it before you came out, but you didn't have the initial. I'm out of the closet. Let me see what's out there. 
let me see what I like, what I don't like. Right. Basically, had your I'm out. I'm hooking up with this guy, and this is who I'm with. Yeah. Well, breaking news. I had a, I had a uh, I guess I could call it like a, a horror phase starter kit. You know, um, and in that short <laughs> a starter kit. Yeah, in that short time frame between uh, straight and just a full blown gay. There, I you know I hooked up with a couple guys. Not like not like five or ten, or it's like two, three maybe. I can't remember specifically. I want to say three. And then, and mind you, kids, this is before Grinder, so please don't fucking hate me. Uh, the only really hookup you're gonna say Craigslist. I, 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 yes, I'm gonna say Craigslist. It, yes. was, it was fucking horrible. It was a horrible experience. I don't ever. I, I don't wish it on fucking anyone ever. Uh, one of them was a good experience. The other two, not so much. Well, I will. I will say this, just so you know. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter the the uh, the format, mm-hmm. so to speak, but all formats in seeking companionship of any kind are terrible. Oh, yeah, they're absolutely shit. Gay, straight, or otherwise. They're all shit, yeah. Um, I can speak for the, the gays. Uh, all of them suck. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I can speak for, I think I can speak for my straight friends, too, but, you know, Tinder is not all that it's hyped up to be. So, you're, I told you this, like, a couple of weeks ago, like, you're very lucky. Yeah. Um, whore phase or not, like, you have something that most people gay or straight uh would look for and like not even in a bad way like it didn't happen with like a lot of effort like no not at all it was it was very minimal effort you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, and, uh yeah there wasn't a lot of uh now at first very minimal effort uh to say that uh that it was it hasn't been a struggle here and there that you know that's that's absolutely the truth. It, it has been, and it's only it's it's due to me. I have issues that I fucking deal with on a daily basis, and what have you. Uh, he's a very patient individual. He's a very patient man, and uh, I love him for that. You know, he deals with a bunch of craziness that he dealt with the wrestling craziness for a short period of time. He just dealt with my fucking general fucked up head. So, you know, which is something I want to delve into. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, you can be as open as you want about it because I will I will always be open on on this podcast. Um So, let's discuss some of these issues. Okay. Uh to be blunt, depression. Yeah. I battle depression. I have not made it a secret to anyone. Um as a matter of fact, as we record this podcast right now, I am in the middle of a pretty heavy bout of it. Um, but I know that everyone's depression is different. Yeah. And you and I have, uh, and especially in recent times, have had to be there for one another. Yeah. Um, you know, for uh, support, you know, to talk to, what have you. Yeah. Um, we have both apologized to each other for, <laughs> like, sorry for being sad bastard, woe is me right now. Right. Um, but everyone deals with it in their own way. Everyone is affected by it in different ways. Um so let's go backwards for a moment. Okay. Um, and there's two different things that I would like to discuss in the depression realm. Yeah. The first one being uh, dealing with it growing up, because dealing with dealing with depression growing up, knowing um, that you were gay. Yeah. Or knowing that you had an interest in it, maybe not knowing so much that you were gay. Because uh-huh. like when I was a kid, 
um, especially when I was going through puberty, I knew I was attracted to men yeah. or guys, boys, whatever. Right. Um, but I was also attracted to girls as well. Yeah. Like, to go back for those keeping track, originally I came out as bisexual I because I was still having sex. As a matter of fact, yeah. funny story, um, somewhere along the line, after you had come out, been out of the closet, and we hadn't seen each other in years, you randomly messaged me. Yes, I did. And you were like, so I have a question for you. Yep. And I was like, sure, what's up? And you're like, so are you gay? Yeah, and I, was <laughs> yeah like, I remember that. I didn't too. know what you knew. And I was like, you know, there was no grinder or anything at the time. Yeah. So I'm like, there wasn't like you saw me on an application, you know, right, or anything yeah. like that. And I was like, how does he know? I guess I can't lie. Maybe he has something, some proof, something. Oh, I remember yeah. I told you that I was bisexual. And uh, yeah, I, I asked how you knew, and you were like, "Yeah." And I was like, "How did you know?" And you were like, "I don't know. You just look really gay in your Facebook profile picture." <laughs> so you didn't even know. You just wanted to know. You just asked. But um, you know, I had growing up, I hey, you know, I had, I lost my virginity to a girl. Yeah, yeah me too. Um, yeah. And uh, like I always tell people, you know, like how did you know? Like when did you know? I knew it in kindergarten. Yeah. Like I remember my first crush. Mm-hmm. was a boy mm-hmm. but like the same class I had my second crush which was a girl sure yeah so um god you're all kinds of fucked up it was bad it was bad <laughs> times um you know weirdo Jesus really really was you know and still am uh but uh <laughs> You know, but growing up, I know how depression yeah. worked with me, and I actually had some things, which I'll, you know, go into on a different podcast, but I had some things happen to me growing up that definitely made things worse off for me. Mm-hmm. How was it dealing with depression? Because I would assume that you battled with it, you know, growing up as well. Like, most people say this, but maybe it was different for you. No, man. Like, when I was a child, I had a really good, happy childhood, very good upbringing, a good family life. Um, the shit really started to hit the fan about the teenage years, just like when everybody else does. You know, they, they go through puberty, and you know, uh, we, in my family, we had uh, what we finally referred to as the Johnny Cash family, being that most of the cousins and uh, of you know of, of the same particular age group within three or five years, they would all wear black because we're all like you know 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. So we're all wearing black because we're all mourning our fucking childhood. <laughs> and so it, it, it was just that time frame and it was it was also when, when I was uh, going through puberty I was like 13, 14 it was like uh, it was very grunge era so that type of emotionally driven fucking angsty teen music was very popular so I was real deep into that shit and um, so yeah it, I had a little bit of depression there, and it mostly stemmed from uh, like an abusive father. Like childhood was good. Um, right around thirteen, it started getting shitty. Uh, abusive stepfather. He was a shit heel. Like uh, you know, it's really funny. It was like it was it was night and day. Like when he was bad, he was real fucking bad, man. But when he was good, he taught me all kinds of good things. Man, he taught me how to like. He taught me how to for lack of better terms and I hate to like gender fucking like label shit but he taught me how to be a man like he taught me how to do things in order to provide for myself uh, you know like change tire fucking work on a car uh, uh, fucking how to tie a knot like, like like boy scout shit you know and I, you know, I praise him for that. But on the, on the flip side of the same coin, he was a complete cunt. Like I, he could be just such a dick. Um, that's when it started. And then 
I really didn't start feeling about like sexuality as to like where I was with myself or who I was with myself. So I was probably about 14 or 15. At that point, it was just like, I don't know. I go, oh, guy's got his shirt off. That's kind of nice. All right. Yeah. Well, maybe I want to do that. I don't know. But then I'm still like, oh, tits. Yeah, those are nice. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, maybe I want to do that too. I don't know. But I honestly don't think I really uh, like – Actually, you know what? To be very, very honest with you, depression didn't really play a big deal into it until like right before I came out. Like I had my standard fucking you know, puberty depression, and like when shit was bad, I would have depression. You know, like oh, I lost this job, I'd be fucking upset or whatever. So it was like the emotion of depression rather than battling depression. No, it it, it start it started primarily. Like, the really bad, heavy shit started, like, right before I came out. Gotcha. And also, too, I think a lot of it has to do, and, and you know, I, I'm a big believer, a firm believer in, like, uh, uh, physical injury and brain injury and, and uh, traumatic disorders due to, like, uh, concussions and things like that. Absolutely. I think it plays a huge, huge role in it, and um, whatever foundations that are out there, I would like for people to fucking support those. Uh I, I wish I knew a little bit more about him so I could fucking speak to it on it right now. But uh, I, I really do think that that played a, uh, a pivotal role into just like putting your body and your brain through so much abuse, through physical abuse like that, can have a fucking huge impact on your mental stability, mental health. Absolutely. So yeah, like it fucking. And you worked for IWA Mid South at a time where strong style and hitting hard was like the popular thing. Uh, yeah. So I imagine that. I mean, we've talked about it, but I, I imagine you suffered your fair share of head trauma. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know for a fact, too, that you uh, condition out yes. um, from experience as one of the hardest I one of the hardest I have ever been hit in my life, in or out of the ring, and I've been in a car accident, <laughs> was was an open-handed slap from you. Yeah, yeah. I uh, <laughs> I actually I, I kind of like learned that on the on the reverse from from Vega. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna show you how to slap somebody. I'm like, all right, that's fine. And the problem is, is guys like Vega, they're very very nice. Or they'll they'll pull their they'll pull their punches or they'll they'll pull their strikes. And I just didn't I didn't tend to do that. Like. I, I just didn't because I felt like that if I could take it, that other people should take it. And that's a shitty way of looking at it, by the way. Don't ever fucking do that. Please like, don't. Yeah, for, for like, don't don't be the fucking guy that's like, oh, I'm going to fucking work. I'm going to work strong style. That's the fucking dumbest shit in the world. Yeah, you can you can work snug and be safe and shit like that. But for Christ's sakes, don't 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 be a fucking idiot. Don't don't beat the fuck out of that guy. I mean, it's that's not what you're there for. But yeah, I mean, I yeah, I worked in I worked in places and that's what I was kind of known for. I was just very heavy-handed, very snug. And do you think for sure that a lot of the uh yeah, absolutely. You know, the stiffness absolutely. definitely played a part. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I the I remember having like you know one or two concussions like early on, like in you know like two thousand one, two thousand two when I was very first getting into it. But from the like the realm of I don't know, probably around oh seven, oh six, oh seven, when business really started to pick up for me, like just working very snug with people. Yeah, man. Like I was going like it was a concussion every other month. And it, it just it piled on and piled on, and I think it has a, a huge role in, in people's mental stability and mental health. So yeah, yeah. 
which is always um, like I I know I've suffered uh, at least known concussions. Uh, I mean, I guess I could say any number, and it's still one too many. Yeah. But uh, you know, so I mean, it's when you think about it that way, and I'm I'm always very into the the discussion of concussions and, and head trauma, yeah, um, or any type of trauma because. Uh, like I've suffered from nerve damage Me literally too. my entire wrestling career from Me something too. that happened before I started wrestling. Yep. And I know that wrestling has definitely not made it any better. Yep. It's only gotten worse. Yeah. Um, you know, and what are the nerves connected to, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. uh, that type of stuff, you know, it, it definitely can go, um, side by side uh, if you think about it. So that makes sense to me. Um, and at that point, you know, when you're dealing with something that heavy, uh, you know, I'm sure it probably wasn't easy. No, man, it was it was really bad. Like all that, all that emotion piled up. Uh, you know, just 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 sitting in there and going, is this the person that I am? Is this the person that I want to be? Do I still want to continue to hide this? Am I going to get married and have a kid and fucking come out at like 50? You know, like, like what's going to happen there? I mean, it got bad enough. You know, it. it it, it got it got really bad. It got real, real dark. It got suicidal at points, and um, and that's where the line was drawn. Like at at that point, where I thought that it was it was it would be better for me to not exist than to be myself. Something I don't know what it was. I, I you know I can't explain it. I don't want to sound like emotional or fucking lifetime movie or anything, but something decided to tell me, you know, hey, you need to reach out to somebody, you need to talk to somebody about this. So, call my mom. She's like, "What's going on?" I said, "I feel like shit. I don't want to. I don't want to live." You know, I just gave her the pretty much the basic speaking speech that most people in that position give. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Okay, I'm coming to get you." She rushed me up to the hospital, and we just took it from there. And then it was just. It was basically a step-by-step rebirth of who I was going to be, and it was a good thing. Uh, it, it was very, very important, you know. Um, yeah. So I mean, circling back to what you were saying, yeah, depression's a, a big deal. Trauma, head trauma, is a huge deal. Uh, you know, most of my depression released. It kind of like it, it focused into this very strong beam of, of just shitty mental health right around the age of 27, 28. And then uh, when I came out, it was like, boom, everything's cool. Everything's fine. So the frightening thing, at least on my end, um, is I am 28 now. No, there you go. <laughs> At the peak of, of my depression, you know, type of thing. Uh, and, you know, I don't want the, the podcast to ever feel like a, like such a downer. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but it's, it's definitely something that, that bears discussing because, um, you know, I see you now, you know, and, you know, I know how I am now mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, like things get rough and I, I will always, always be, um, someone that will speak out about depression because I spent so long in my life yeah, absolutely. hiding, uh, the fact that I was depressed and, uh, I feel like it's something that a lot of people do yeah. and I feel like you need to speak about it because there's always someone else out there that might be going through something similar or dealing with it, you know, and th- just talking about it and, and making people aware that it is a real, uh, illness, right. you know, it's a real thing. Um, 
it brings awareness to the fact that it's something that you know people do need to help you know you be uh, tolerant to people like maybe you know I, I'm very open with what I say yeah, yeah but you know sometimes think before you speak sure um and uh, just like to to, to discuss, or excuse me to discuss like the the head trauma type of thing you know or whereas you saying that you didn't start battling it until very late uh, in your wrestling career like you know into your 20s you know whereas me I was diagnosed with it when I was 14 yeah and uh, you know so like everyone is different you know so like where I was going to ask you originally mm-hmm. how was it dealing with depression if you did growing up and knowing that you might be into guys you know where uh, where you just kind of were the opposite where it's like yeah I might be into guys but it wasn't really a thing until you're in your you know mid to late 20s yeah yeah yeah, I came. I I I, uh, I blossomed, quote unquote, late. Um, like, I mean, I came out to myself when I was about twenty-one, but I still fucking played it under the radar, and I really didn't have a dep- like. I didn't have a a depression about it at all. Like, I really, really, really didn't. Um, I think somewhere around, like I said, around twenty-seven, twenty-eight, uh, it, there, there was just a, a chemical issue. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of people, they'll uh, they'll gaslight you. They'll be like, "Nah, you're not fucking depressed. You're not upset." And you're like, "No, really, I am. I'm fucking depressed." And they're like, I, "Well, I don't understand how you could be." Well, that's the problem. You don't understand because you don't have you don't deal with it. You don't deal with it, and just you know, like it's like, are you fucking sick? Do you have a cold? Yeah. You, you okay? Well, you take medicine, and that cold helps you to fucking deal with those symptoms. Right, so if there's a if there if there happens to be a slight chemical or even a fucking vast chemical imbalance in your brain, you need that serotonin, you need that melatonin to be fucking leveled out so that you can be the right way again. Right. It's I mean if you have a certain amount of a certain amount of antibodies in your body and you need antibiotics, I mean it, it's medicine, it's fucking medicine. But people don't see it because they don't see snot pouring out of your fucking head or they don't see blood dripping out of your fucking legs or anything like that. They don't see it that way. They see, they see it on the inside and they go, nah, you're not fucking crazy, you're just whining. It's like, no. Nothing nothing worse than that because there are people that, um, that are hypochondriacs. Yeah. You know, they definitely, they crave the attention. Sure. They crave, uh, you know, people caring about them and, and things like that and there are definitely people out there that act I know several um, but and people that will self you know inflict woe onto themselves yeah, yeah. Um, you know but as someone that has battled depression and it's you know only gotten worse as time goes on you know uh, I do understand exactly what you're saying yeah and absolutely. nothing worse than you know you're in a bad place and you're trying to talk to someone about it and they're just looking at you and they just don't get it. They just don't understand. And like you start to think about what you're saying and it's like, this probably sounds stupid to you. This doesn't sound like a big deal to you, but this is catastrophic to me. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's awful. Um, I always say I wouldn't worst, or excuse me, I wouldn't wish depression on my worst enemy. Yeah. It's, um, it's shitty, man. It's, like, it's the worst. Yeah. It, it's, and you know, and, like a lot of people will do the self-diagnosis thing and I you know I, I don't really recommend that I, th- I think I think it's it's uh, if you feel like you uh, you have an issue that needs to be resolved or you feel like you have some signs go seek some you know seek some professional help that's what they're there for go go check it out go reach out to uh, you know a local therapist or a community center or what have you you know go that route don't fucking don't sit idle and go oh I'm I'm this I'm bipolar I'm manic depressed blah blah blah, blah. don't don't self-diagnose because it, it, that's just that you're, you're doing yourself 
fucking a, a shit way. You, you need it's a great to, disservice. Yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible. You need to get, go seek some professional help. I know it sounds kind of funny, but it's... The it's, humor in this, yeah. to me, is both of us uh, being pro wrestlers. Um, how many actual injuries have we probably both just self-diagnosed and it, it has caused us damage in the long run. I think that it was like lack of self-diagnosis that caused me more damage. I mean, shit like broken jaws and, and broken collarbones. I had no fucking clue that I broke. Like, no idea. Like, when I got, when the neck, when the neck was broke, like, uh, when they went in and did the, the, the CAT scan and the x-rays for it, the doctor comes in, he's like, hey, Jim, you noticed your, uh, your jaw is broken? I'm like, no, absolutely not. I was like, oh, yeah, it's clean fracture. Clean fracture on the mandible. And I'm like, oh, that's crazy. That, I know exactly when it happened now, but at the time, I was like, oh, fuck I, I, The jaw break happened right before you and I wrestled. Yep. Because uh, I remember it was myself. The first time that we were in the ring together, it was only two. Yep. Uh, we had a triple threat match where it was me, you, and Ian Rotten. Yes. And we're planning the match, and it was put out there. Don't touch John's jaw. Yeah. It's definitely fucked up right now. Right, yeah. And Ian said this to me. God bless him. The first thing that he did to you <laughs> was palm strike you in the jaw. Right and the then powdered out of the ring. He got out of the ring. Yeah. I'm in the ring. And you took it out on me. Yeah. And I was so sad because yeah. I didn't do anything to you. And, you know, I yeah, I do apologize <laughs> for that. I was just... I, 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 remember, I remember him backing me in the buckle. God bless Ian. I, you know what? A lot of people have a lot of shit things to say about Ian Rodden, and I'll just I'll make it real sweet here because I know you don't want to like bury anybody. I, I got that. I don't I don't really ever have anything negative to say about Ian Rodden. He's never, you and I are in the same boat. He's, on this. Not, he's never done me wrong. Even at this exact moment where uh, a few months ago I canceled on uh, the Ted Petty Invitational mm -hmm. um, to do another booking that emotionally meant more to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I and financially uh, was not as good, mm -hmm. but it just it meant more to me at yeah. that point. I canceled. Um, by the time that this podcast hits the air, um, hits the internet, uh, it will have been announced that I am going to be done wrestling soon. Right. Um, I told him this. I was like, I'll be done wrestling soon. He said, well, if you ever come back, you don't have a home here for canceling. Because I was the first person announced for the TPI. Oh, shit. All of this stuff. He was not had months prior. Like, I was the first, oh, and then, wow. like, three months later, someone else was announced. So I understand why he was upset. Yeah. Um, but Ian was the first person to, like, invest in me. So, like, I'm with you on that. He never screwed me over yeah. on a dime. He was always, you know, good to me. So I'm with you on that. I'm one of the, I guess, one of the few. But. Yeah, yeah. He never, he never, I, like, I've never had a problem with Ian Rodden whatsoever. Uh, you know, people fucking just dump on him and you know it, it if you if you treat somebody like shit you're gonna get you treated like shit i've never had a problem with him but what we're saying is that uh yeah yeah he backed me in the corner and i was like hey man watch my jaw and the first fucking thing god damn it hit me right in the fucking jaw and i'm like okay all right cool and he like just exactly as you described it powdered out and i was like Give me this motherfucker. Because like, I knew I couldn't drag Ian's big ass into the fucking ring. And he, he wouldn't let me. He'd probably just fucking sell. Nope. Uh, so, yeah. But, yeah, man. Like, uh, God, man, we just fucking jumped out of rabbit hole. Uh, yeah, self-diagnosis of injuries. Uh, yeah, it's it's caused both uh, grief and, and, uh, and, and pleasure, I guess, at the same time. I don't know. So at this point now, you've been uh, you've been out of the game full time 
um, since about 2009. You came back uh, for a cup of coffee. You're drinking coffee right now. Yeah. Um, you came back for a figurative cup of coffee in about 2011, 12 for a yeah. few shots here and there. Yeah, I did a couple shots for Magnum Pro and for uh, Metro Pro and I think uh, Dynamo Pro. Lots of pros. A lot of pros, yeah. Um, you came back here and there. You had really sweet wrestling gear, I remember. Yeah, man. You know, your Chris Saban shorts. Yeah, man. I told you. It's fucking <laughs> well, fucking, Do you still have them? Yeah, man. The, uh, <laughs> the machine guns were hot shit. They, they, they still are. They're still the fucking bomb, man. Like, yeah, I, they like, are. I, that's, Chris Saban is one of the absolute best I've ever been absolutely, with. Absolutely, 100%. Like, and I, that's that's me being a complete fucking mark, obviously. Like, I've wrestled... I, I, you, you too. I've wrestled Shelly and Saban. Uh, Shelly and a single Saban in the tag. And nothing but great things. They're fucking great guys, man. Um, fun time to work with. I, I ain't shit. I ain't shit to be saying, oh, they're great guys, you know. It's not my place to say it, but I, I'm going to. They're good guys. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I still have that fucking gear. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, you came back uh, for a cup of coffee, but been pretty much done full time uh, to date mm-hmm. uh, since about I think it was the injury was like what like October maybe of '09. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, I'm great with dates somehow. I don't know. Yeah, I don't get that. All this head trauma, but I'm I can't okay. remember what the fuck I had for lunch today. <laughs> and you're pulling shit out of your ass. I don't know why. This uh, well, it's because we're friends. Oh, okay. So I care about you. Oh, thank, um, you. thank you. It's almost like you did research for it or something. Honestly, I did no research. I knew that I, I knew that you were coming over. We would possibly do this podcast. I had some things that I wanted to ask you, um, and I just I think one of the cool things about it uh, about having you on is, like I said, you've to my knowledge have had never done a podcast. Not with once. This is the very first one. You've you've busted my cherry. I have right? popped that cherry. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, much like Ric Flair said on Raw one time, you know, made a career out of uh, uh, making virgins bleed. That's so, fucking disgusting. Yeah, he was talking about making Randy Orton bleed in a cage match. Yeah. He was like, as far as being in a cage match, you're a virgin. And I made a career out of making virgins bleed. That's that is disgusting. fucking filthy. <laughs> but, um, so you've been out of wrestling for, for that long time period. Um, I know you and I have discussed it, and uh, occasionally for those who might have you on Facebook, maybe they don't, but... Every so often, you'll post. Be like, you, got, you get the itch. You want to get back in. Everybody but. gets the itch, man. Everybody gets the fucking Terry Funk disease. Everybody wants to fucking, you know. It's I don't, I don't know if I'm having a midlife crisis. Like we, we had discussed off air. Yeah, man. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Do you think at this point, um, which it's not. I know you're saying you feel old or whatever, yeah. but... Uh, or you said you didn't feel old. You are old, but you feel young. Yeah. You're 35 years old. You've been out of the game for a minute. God damn. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. There's people older that can still go, right? Do you think that at this point in your life, um, you've you've dealt with your personal um, issues, um, you know, coming out, you're gay, you're in a, yeah. a relationship, yeah. you know, you're, you're better... At least I'd assume better off mentally in 2017. You were in 2009. Yeah. Um, let's speak hypothetically. You come back. Let's say you know 20. Or excuse me. 2017 is. Uh, don't don't fucking say the year, Dingo. Please. No no no. Okay. I definitely would not. <laughs> like, nothing don't, nothing don't, cliche don't like, say that. Shit like that. 2017 is the year that you you know you make the the road to a comeback. You know even if it's for for one shot. Right. So let's speak hypothetically. Okay. You come back for one match. Okay. Who would you want to step in the ring with? Oh my god, that's because you because one the reason why I asked this I think is very cool is because you kind of you went out but you were just gone. 
Yeah, just, like, uh, yeah, I fucking disappeared. You were just, you were yeah, gone. I was gone. And like me, I'm going out of my way to like plan my exit the way that I want to do it. Oh, and you know, drama. I'm, you know, so doing things the way that drama. I want to because. Well, good. You know, that's a good thing though, man. That's, that's a fucking phenomenal thing. I would like, I, I do. That, that's, it's great that you have that ability to do that. Cause I, I just feared, I just feared, I feared myself and I fucking painted myself into a corner. I'm like, uh, and it just, all the cards just fucking fell in my lap and I'm like, Oh, perfect! And exit stage right. Fucking gone. <laughs> gone. See you later. It's very well, it's very difficult because you know this is something you wrestled for what uh, twelve years? Uh, Ninety nine to two thousand uh, ten eleven. So well, yeah, just yeah. about yeah. like that's a long. That's your entire adult life, you know, just like me. Yeah, you know, that's your entire adult life that I've wasted this. fucking ten and a half years. It's, it definitely feels like it, you yeah. know. And uh, I I don't want to be. You know, you jokingly say, like, the Terry Funk, you know, I don't want to be that. Yeah. You know, like, I have committed my entire adult life to that. I started when I was 18, and, you know, I when I'm done, I want to be done. You right. know, I still would like to be involved yeah. in various ways, but as far as the actual in-ring is concerned, I don't want to. And, yeah. you know, going to the depression thing briefly, uh, knowing that I was going to be done wrestling a year ago, and that I was ready, and that my passion was dwindling and that it was not coming back mm-hmm. that there was nothing that I found fun before that was keeping me in right and that it continued to get worse okay um dealing with the depression of that and you know feeling like a failure uh at something that I have committed my life to you know my adult life and feeling like it, it wasn't going to pay off for me in the end even though wrestling owes us nothing um I wanted to go out in my own way yeah. and and end it on my note. You know, I, I know who I want to have my last match with. I know where I want to have my last or where I'm going to have my last match um, and how I want that final run to go. So to go back to you, if you could end your career, if you, you're, you're gifted the opportunity to come back, you, you get yourself back in, in ring shape, you have yeah. your fucking sweet Chris Saban here, <laughs> you have, you know, the opportunity to come back and and have one last match with anyone and end things the way that you want to, what would you do and who with, uh, with who? Man, um, I'm, I'm like, I'm always like a sucker for uh, emotional things and for like very, very meaningful uh, encounters in life. Uh, like I just, just both in and outside of the ring. I'm always my, like when I send people cards or birthday gifts or what the fuck ever, my, my intent is for them to like to leave a mark on them and to make, so I, like, like when I send my mom shit, I'm like, all right, I gotta make a cry this time. It's fucking, so like that being said, like I, I would like to do something that's extremely meaningful to both myself and the other participant. Like, a lot of people will say some things like, oh yeah, like, I want to wrestle like a, fucking uh, Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson. Or you want to wrestle your hero. Like everybody knows I was a fucking huge Sabu, Mark. Yeah, you want to wrestle Sabu. Uh, no, I think I think it would be more important to me to, to like work somebody who I am very close with or very familiar with. Like I think it would be it, it would like it'd be important for me to wrestle like somebody that I brought up. I would like to like I never uh, I never got to finish that match with Vega. So, you know, that that, that would be kind of important to me. Um, there's some great talent out of St. Louis that I've had some uh, I've, I've had a hand in. Like um, they got different names now, um, but I mean the Chicagoland area people know who Vega and Fitchett are. 
and uh, I would love to do a tag with them one last time. Um, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm, it's it's an emotional thing for me, and it's emotional. Like I, I like to I like to build that memory. I like to uh, I like to make memories. I like to make people want to come back. I want like to draw off their. Emotions. I always say it's not the matches; it's the memories. Yeah, man, it's absolutely. Yeah, you know, because like who the fuck's gonna remember a spot for spot what the fuck happened in their match? They they might remember the beginning. They will definitely remember the finish. Usually, like ah, fucking Taker hits him with the last ride. They're fucking showing my age, <laughs> and like uh, it's, you know, they remember the what like one or two things happening. But like if, but you know, everybody remembers fucking SummerSlam with when, when Macho and Liz got married. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a big fucking deal, you know. And everybody remembers, you know, uh, Night of the Skywalkers. I mean, that was a big fucking deal. They remember the big, just emotional shit, the big crazy shit. And that, that's what I want them. That's what I want to do. I don't want them to be like, "Oh man, it was so cool because you did a fucking you know four fifty years sky twisting moonsault." Or and that's why I, I'm completely one hundred percent with you. Yeah. Because uh, you know, to go back for a second, that's why I canceled off of TPI to yeah. do the match that emotionally meant so much more to me. I can have a bunch of cool, sweet matches right. with you know three people if I go to the finals or whatever, um, or I can have this one match with the person that I have wrestled more than anyone else in my career, and it's our final match ever, because I know that I'm going to be done wrestling soon. Right. <laughs> you know, no one else knows at the time, back in November, but we know. Yeah. And it's our last match, and we're definitely going to cry in the ring, which we did. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. And so I completely am understanding of the, the idea of, you know, making those those sweet moments. So, like, you know, I can see you coming back. I, I remember watching you and, and Davey Vega wrestle in a park somewhere for LWA back in like '09, oh, and it was like yeah. awesome. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, man, you guys are definitely doing way more uh, for this. You know, not even a fair show, yeah. literally in a park. Uh, <laughs> but it was awesome. So like, I can see that. I remember you and Fitchett having an awesome match, and Fitchett in 2017 is infinitely better, obviously now than he was in 2010. Man, I love them kids. Like, I, like, and I say kids uh, affectionately. I mean, obviously they're not kids. I just say. Fucking, I don't know. You brought him up? I, I, something like that. I mean, I mean, I, 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 I even bring myself to be a humble, in a, in a humble place. Whereas, like, I don't like to be like, who the fuck am I to say kids or fucking or rookie or anything? I'm not. I'm not. Those are your kids, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fucking nobody. I'm just a dude that fucking wrestled in the in the, in the Midwest. But um, yeah, man, like. I, I just answered a, a, a Q&A the other night where it was like one of the questions that was posed to me was like, what is your favorite fucking match? And like right that off... That you've had or that you watched? No, no, my favorite, my favorite, I'm sorry, not favorite match, favorite moment. Okay. Favorite moment in your in your career, like a favorite moment was, and I it's just like, I don't know why, but it came to me as I, I remember coming back to a show in St. Louis and I was watching from behind the curtain at an anarchy show in St. Louis and I was watching Vega and for life, I mean, I can't fucking remember who he was working. But I remember watching that. I remember just fucking like tearing up and being like, man, goddamn, he used to suck so bad when he first started. But <laughs> he, dude, hands, like, he, hands down, one of the one of the best guys. And I, w- I would love to, f- like, do it one more time. So, but yeah, that's a long fucking explanation to tell you. No, no, no. It's all good. Uh, um, so, as we do wrap this up, I do have a few more questions. Yeah, we'll fun. bring it back around yeah, to fun. wrestling because we actually. Uh, I got to a lot of the points that I wanted to get to, and cool. there's still definitely more, but I don't want to have a two-hour podcast. I have you on for a second one because there's more that I would like to discuss. But yeah, that's cool. Um, since we have the wrestling uh, to conclude here, we brought it back around. Um, wrestled from 2000, or excuse me, from 1999 till about uh, 2011, give or take. 
Um, in that time period, uh, you had a bunch of matches. Yeah. Um, if you had to choose just one that you feel defines your body of work the best, if you were to tell our listeners, go back and watch this match, and this is me at my absolute best, oh, what man. would the match be? Huh. Um, shit. That's, there's, I, I don't know if I could, if I could fit it into just one, because it's a constant evolving lesson. Um, you know, you, you, there are caveats and there are memorable, excuse me, memorable moments, uh, and, and, uh, and touchstones in everybody's career where you go, Man, I remember this because of this particular reason. And I, at this point, I was my early shit was garbage, absolute garbage. I, I would say I, you know, somewhere around 2006, I started really coming into my own, and that's shitty because I should have been happening in like 02, 01, 02, but I, I, it took me fucking forever. Um, I, I think the match that uh, that. There's there's a couple of them. The match that meant the most to me, um, it was a Metro, not Metro, it was uh, it was it was a Kansas match. I want to say oh CSW Central States Wrestling, and basically the same group as uh, the Metro Pro and NWL KC Fight KC group. Um, guys like Michael Strider and Jeremy Wyatt and uh, those guys. I wrestled one of the guys from St. Louis. Uh, that we went out there with, uh, his name was uh, Nick Tyson, and I remember this match specifically because Samoa Joe was on the card, and I uh, I wrestled I wrestled uh, Nick Tyson, and great match, real snug, um, had a good time with it. I probably didn't sell shit because that was just my shtick. I just fucking forgot to sell. I was being stupid. Um, so I get in the back and I, you know, and uh, Joe walks up and he's like, hey, that was fucking awesome. And I'm thinking, yeah, whatever. It was, you know, dumb. But he's like, no, seriously, that was, that was very, very good. Uh, you have amazing ring presence. And I want you to come to Chicago. Would you be willing to come to Chicago? I was like, yeah, I'm sure what the fuck, you know, why not? It was cool. And he hands me a little piece of paper and it's Gabe Sapolsky's phone number. And I'm like, that's pretty fucking cool and it has his number and Gabe's number on there and he's like let me know when you're gonna come to Chicago and I'm like I'll be at the next Ring of Honor show that comes to Chicago and I'm like he's like okay so yeah it was uh, it was definitely one of my very very favorite matches uh, for that particular reason uh, I think the one like I said that epitomizes the, my body of work um, man that's just I, I don't know like the 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 match with me and Davey Richards in uh, Philadelphia it's a five minute match intro to a Ring of Honor pay per view uh, I like that one a lot that's a good one it's on YouTube um, I had a, a dog collar match with Jason Strife when I worked for IWA which was one of my favorite matches just because I like to be stupid and do dumb shit that causes a lot of pain in my life. Um, I, I don't really, I can't really pinpoint it down to one. Yeah, I mean, there's just a, a multitude, but yeah, those work, man. Yeah, they work. Um, I will before I before I conclude this, I will yeah. say uh, a few things. 
uh, to touch on this because I, I, I find them funny. So, or not even funny, this is interesting. Um, you mentioned the match, the dog collar match with Jason Strife. Yeah. I do remember it was great. Yeah. Uh, you guys had the match at the 08 TPI. Yeah. Um, that was also uh, really cool. Um, one of my favorite, my personal favorite moments uh, of your career, from what I got to see anyway, um, was at the tail end of that whole storyline the yellow dog and you turned heel and all of these things uh-huh. and you had probably not a good match but you had this match with Ian and it was like a 10,000 light bulb oh, so yeah, electrified yeah, yeah, light yeah. bulb I don't remember anything about the match <laughs> yes. uh, I remember you guys the only thing I remember is you guys doing a bunch of really stupid things yeah. with, with light bulbs yeah um, not light tubes bulbs yeah 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 um, but I remember... Uh, Where the fuck was that shitty building at? What was Bellevue. That? Yeah, okay. I like to call it the Rape Factory. It's <laughs> um, a pretty scary building. It is very scary. Um, but I remember your work in that match, your character work, yeah. was some of the best. And years later, when I was trying to up my intensity uh, for my character... I remembered that match because you were like, you're not like a big dude. Nah. You know, especially at that point, like you were probably what, like a buck sixty, maybe, like real cut, maybe, you know? Like Yeah. Like yeah. very lean, very cut. So like not like necessarily an imposing figure. No, no. But your presence was scary. And yeah. that's the character that you were like trying to put forth and it worked. And I was like, I'm not a big guy. I need to do that. Yeah. So that's one thing that I remember. Uh I remember you, uh, like I said, hitting me so hard <laughs> that I lost feeling. Um, I remember one of my favorite uh, things, and more at least favorite also. Uh, so we have this match, you and I. It's the only singles match we had. Yeah. And we're like brawling around the ring. Yeah. And uh, you are letting the fans chop me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we get like to each side of the room, all four sides, right? And the final side, you hold my arms, you let the fan chop me, and right before the fan chops me, another fan throws his beer at me. So now my chest is like soaked, drenched. <laughs> and this fan chopped the hardest chop I've ever experienced in my life because of a fan. And I remember uh, he chops me, and you're about to like drag me to another fan, and I go, please, John, no more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like all like ultimately, uh, I was getting guys like there's always the great memories and the great moments and everything. Um, we never really rode in the same circles or anything like that. No, not for um, We worked like some of the same shows, you know, uh, IWAs, uh, LWA, things like that. Yeah. Um, the last question that I'll ask is, uh, do you have any uh, anything you would change about your career? Um. I think if I could change one thing, it well, it's it, it's it's going to be like an amalgamation, really. If I could have changed one thing, it would have been to uh, go to a a proper school right out of the gate. Like a lot of a lot of people will go to a wrestling school, quote unquote, and it was just uh, it, it's not nine times out of ten they're not. Like if you want to go to wrestling school. Go to a wrestling school that's legitimate. Go to the Ring of Honor school. Go to Harley Race's school. You know, there, uh, there are plenty of places to get good training to be professional wrestlers. You know what, man? 
pay a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of fucking money and go down to the performance center. I mean, go do it that way if you have to. If this is what you want to do, then fucking give it your all. Don't don't fucking do it half-assed. I mean, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. So that is number one. That's what I would have changed, number one. Um, number two, uh, I have, I've had this same conversation with uh, a promoter friend of mine recently uh, that I would have taken the cosmetic side of the industry much more serious than I had much earlier. Uh, I would have gotten in the gym. I would have gotten bigger. I, you know, that's important to you. This is a, this is a fucking image-based business. It's almost a hundred percent image-based business. You know, if you know, not, I mean, for Christ's sake, look at ben, like look at guys like Benoit Malenko and Guerrero in their heyday. Yeah, dude, they're like five eight, five nine. Jacked up, but they're stuff. fucking yeah, they're just huge, just muscle. And even at that fucking, like, you know, they're pushing like 225, 230. You know, they're just fucking jacked, right? And even at that, they're, you know, they got shit on forever. Fucking ever. And, I mean, that, that's something that you really need to take serious. You can't just go at it half-assed again. You know, I'm going to put a fucking t-shirt on. I'm going to buy a pair of boots. And I'm going to, no, man, you know, get to the gym, put up some weights, put on some masks. Because I guarantee you, if you go to one of these schools that you really want to be a wrestler at, they're going to they're gonna look at you and go, no, not until you come back and, you know, when you're 225 pounds, at least, at least, you know, depending on your your height or whatever. So yeah, number two, I would have I would have taken the cosmetic side much more serious, uh, and and I think I would have gotten out and traveled much earlier. Definitely. I mean, those are those are three big things that I think a lot of young wrestlers should know. You know, and like these are secrets. You know, you can just go, and they, they can sit back at, at, in their house and go, oh, I don't know if he's right or if he's wrong. I'm telling you, man. Just the mistakes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) You know, I I made the mistakes of not doing them. So, like, here's some fucking just free advice. Save up some money. Go to a wrestling school. Get big. Get in great shape. And 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 get exposure and go out and travel. That's it. I feel you on that. Well, buddy, it was good to sit down and talk to you. Thank you. Thank uh, you. It was good to, to get you get you back out there in the, the public eye in some form. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of cool. Uh, I do think it's kind of cool that I was the first to have you on here. Take, yeah. take that virginity from you. <laughs> um, this has been the Money Talks Podcast. I've been sitting here with John Machete, also known as Dingo. Uh you're not big on social media, like like on Twitter, but I do know that you can get at him on Twitter at Dingo Driver. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right, there we go. Get at him on Dingo Driver. Ask him some questions. Hit him up. Bother him. Maybe he'll uh, maybe he'll make an appearance in your town sometime <laughs> in the future. Who knows? But either way, thank you for listening. Hope to have you uh, check us out again here on the Money Talks podcast soon. Take care.